You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 212. Hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard. Today, we're talking about what executives really want from the PMO. Well, I can tell you what they don't want, and that is too much process, a bunch of templates shoved at them, and so many tools that everyone gets stuck on the tech instead of getting things done. Today, we're going to talk about three specific techniques you can use to give your executives more of what they do want, which is to achieve the highest possible return on investment for their strategy as quickly as possible. And the PMO is the best path to get there. So stay tuned to learn exactly how you can do that with your PMO, no matter how large or small, or even where you sit in the organization. Before we dive in, this episode is sponsored by The Impact Summit, the world's largest virtual event for PMO, strategy, and transformation leaders is back and better than ever this September. Join thousands of PMO and strategy delivery leaders for a week of presentations, workshops, interviews, live discussions, and so much more. Make sure you register for free right now so you can celebrate early with us. And when you're registered, you'll find out about some special goodies and free training you'll have access to right now. So you don't even have to wait until September. Just go to impactsummit.global now to learn more about the speakers, the topics, and so much more. You do not want to miss out. Just go to impactsummit.global right now and register for free today. I'll see you there. Okay, let's dive in. Now with me today to talk about what executives really want from the PMO is my pal, Stuart Easton. Stuart is a longtime friend and supporter of PMO Strategies and the Impact Summit. He's the founder and CEO of Transparent Choice, and he is on a mission to help PMO leaders deliver successful projects. Stuart, in addition to being one of my favorite friends in this space and co-troublemaker on all the things. He's also a guest lecturer on project prioritization at the University of Oxford. And he also speaks at various PMO conferences and events on specifically how PMOs can deliver strategic value, identify waste, and eliminate those pesky pet projects. Now, Stuart is also a co-host for this year's Impact Summit. He's been around supporting the event for years now, and I figured it was about time to pull him up to the main stage. So Stuart will talk a little bit about that as we wrap up the podcast today. But first, we have to answer the question that has everybody on the edge of their seats. What do executives really want from the PMO? Welcome to the show, Stuart. So good to have you here. Laura, it's great to be here. When you said, and Stuart is, I was convinced you were going to say, my main strawberry supplier. <laughs> that is 100% sure. Okay. So I have to tell everyone what we're talking about <laughs> here. Okay. So last year when I headlined the PMO conferences in UK that are run by the House of PMO with our dear friends, Lindsay and Eileen, I had the pleasure of getting a personal tour. Actually, my whole family did. So my husband was with me, Kurt, and 
my son, Grayson, and we all spent the day with Stuart and we got this wonderful tour of Cambridge, including doing a punt, which when he told me that we were going to go for a punt, I thought he said we were going to go for a pint, right? That would make sense. We're in the UK. And no, he actually meant a punt, which I was describing it to family last week is kind of like a gondola, but you get to do the standing up and paddling and Kurt did it for the first time ever. And we didn't fall in, which was amazing. But we also got to go to, it's oddly end house, right? That's where we went. We did this wonderful picnic and Stuart arranged everything and he brought fresh strawberries and oh my gosh, the strawberries alone are worth the trip to the UK. I am just convinced they were amazing. I don't know why your strawberries are so much better than ours in the US, but they were absolutely incredible. Excellent. About to get another supply this weekend, I think, Laura. Exactly. So we're recording this right before we get to actually spend a week together, going to speak at a conference for the Global Project Management Forum in Saudi Arabia. Then we're going to go to a Lindsay and Eileen's House of PMO conference in the UK and London specifically. So when this comes out, it's going to be after that. So I'll have to give everyone an update on the strawberries. But Stuart asked if I wanted anything. And I said, absolutely. Can you bring strawberries? Can you bring them through? I'll eat them all in London before we ever get to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> but you need to bring me some strawberries. Will you be able to get them through security? That's what I want to know. We'll get them through security one way or another. I'm going okay. to have to them as guns and ammunition or something to get through the scanners, but we'll get them through. <laughs> well, these anyway. are very important strawberries. They are so good. So yes, you are my number one strawberry supplier for sure. <laughs> and as people have noticed, Laura and I are, are good friends. In the green room before we started recording, we said, great, we're going to try and do this in 20 minutes. We've got no hope of getting this done in 20 minutes, but we'll be <laughs> focused as we can. We will certainly try. We're going to have some fun on the way. That's the key thing, right? So what do executives want? Laura's told us what they don't want. And actually, I think the strawberries is a great example of what they do want. In fact, I'm reminded of a story that one of my friends down in Brazil told me. So he was in a meeting with a senior executive, with the CEO, actually, of one of the world's largest oil and gas companies. And he was telling him all about his projects and that all the detail, what they were doing and the plans for the project. And then the CEO stopped him and he said, Roberto, I really don't care if you've got a boy duck or a girl duck. I just want eggs, right? So not strawberries, he wanted eggs. Mm. And it was a wonderful metaphor because what he was saying is, I really don't care about your project. I don't Mm. care about your Gantt charts and your burn down charts. And I don't care if it's waterfall or agile or agifall or anything, right? I just don't Mm. care about any of that. I don't care where you keep your ducks. I don't care where you feed your ducks. I just Mm. want the eggs or I just want the strawberries. I just want the value, the business Mm. value, the impact, the return on my investment in that project. That's what I want. And that's it, period, the end is that's what they want. They really don't care about anything else. And I mean, that kind of chimes with what you preach, right? You're the right of this, Laura. So why is it so difficult to deliver that? And let's be honest, as an industry, we don't do a good job of delivering that value. If you look at PMI data, the number of projects that actually deliver the intended business value is for the last decade or so, has kind of hovered between sort of 60 and 70%. You've seen those numbers, yeah. Laura. Uh-huh, I have. And it doesn't get any better. Like, it doesn't matter if you look even over the last decade, the numbers are maybe a little bit better, but not significantly. So that's why we have these problems with the gaps between the executives and those delivering projects is they don't really see the needle moving. 
So we do project prioritization day in and day out. So we work at that executive level all the time. Mm -hmm. And what I hear is that executives are really, really frustrated. And, and you can understand that frustration, right? Imagine you get up in the morning and you jump in your car to drive to work, but it only gets you there 70% of the time. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what would you do to that car? You'd get rid of it. You'd junk it. You'd trash it, right? You'd buy a right. new one, right? And that's the kind of frustration. Imagine how frustrated you would be if that's how reliable your car is. But somehow as an industry, that seems to be kind of normal, mm -hmm. right? And I would suggest that's not acceptable. And from an executive's point of view, it's really not acceptable. If any other part of the business, if you're in manufacturing and you had a machine that 70% of the output had to be scrapped, right? That machine mm -hmm. would be replaced. Right. And so fundamentally, executives are just really frustrated. They don't understand why. And typically what happens is maybe they'll read an HBR article, Harvard Business Review article on project management, and it'll say something about PPM, and it'll say something about tools and agile. And so they'll come back and they'll say, you should go and do that. They don't actually know what they're talking about. They just read a Harvard Business Review article. So what you end up doing is more process. Right? Right. More. I mean, this is something you talk about a lot, Laura. Well, yeah. And considering from the executive perspective, how they see it, because I think it's important to do that as we continue this conversation is for the impact drivers listening to really consider the executive perspective. They will tell you that the numbers aren't great. What they're seeing isn't great. When they are asked to submit surveys or be involved in these kinds of research projects, here's what they tell you. They'll tell you that at least 40% of them will say that enterprise accountability and leadership are not even aligned to strategy execution. So you have the strategy defined in one place, you have execution happening in another place, and there's no enterprise level accountability structure or a way to hold people responsible for getting the work done. Leadership isn't even aligned. So you have different parts of the organization that aren't even aligned with the strategic objectives, and therefore the work is not aligned. And from a project management perspective and portfolio perspective, 60% of organizations don't even link their budgets to the corporate strategy, right? So you have the budget happening over in one part of the organization, the strategy happening in the other part of the organization, and the projects, the budgets, the people, the resources, the everything is completely fighting and not in alignment with where the organization is trying to go. And so when you look at the effect for these business leaders, 61% of these executives will tell you that they can't bridge the gap between strategy and execution. And I believe, and this is what my upcoming book is about, is that that's because they're looking at the wrong places and the gaps are actually different than what they think they are, right? And you and I have talked about this a great deal and we've talked about it on the podcast before. The problem is, is that whenever these kinds of things happen where the executives get frustrated, they start yelling at the PMO and the project people to go fix project management because they think that's what's wrong. And that's why when they go to a conference and they read an article and it says agile transformation is the way of the future. And if you want your projects to get delivered, you have to stop doing waterfall and you must do agile and the whole organization has to do it or else it's never going to work. And all of that stuff that they hear, that's why you get these mandates from the top on fixing project management in all these different ways. And we know that doesn't work. The real problem, the way I see it, is going back to Harvard Business Review and another one of their lovely articles and statistics. The real problem is 95% of the typical workforce does not understand their company strategy. Because of that, 
they're not even doing the work that is most important to the executives. That's the gap you have to fix. Not so much this throw more template schools and process at it, right? And I hate to tell you, it's even worse than that because, and again, we live this every day. Yeah. The executives sitting around the board table, they don't even agree on what the strategy means. Ah, good point. So they don't even know. So it's like, it's not even just the workforce. It's everybody. And the difference is that each person around the table, they think they know what it means. Yeah. And so they'll go start pushing you to do things. Mm-hmm. And someone else will be trying to push you in a different direction. If you're the poor PMO stuck in the middle of that, what do you do? Right. right? You've right. got people with great big hammers banging you on the head saying, do my project, do my project. And what do you do? Mm-hmm. So it's really difficult. And these projects, so the egg metaphor is really important because, or really interesting and appropriate because the projects that you're doing, that's how you achieve the strategy. The egg represents right. the future of the organization. This is your opportunity to create something that adds value for the organization. But you only have so much capacity to deliver these eggs. So, you know, we want more egg, right? The executives right. want more eggs. So, okay, we're done. We've answered the question at the beginning. What do the executives want? They want eggs. And guess what? Egg was right there in the title. They're executives, right? They want eggs. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're going to look at sort of three techniques you can use to give them more egg. It's really pretty simple. But what's interesting here is that none of these techniques is really about project delivery at all. Right. right? They all live at the portfolio level. And this is really important because most PMOs, I think this came from, I I took this from one of your slides, actually, Laura, at the House of PMO last year. Yeah, they spend like 80% of their time on project execution. Right. 80 to 100%, really, right? You're absolutely right. And then actually, it should be the other way around. They should be spending 80% of the time, I won't say to 100, but 80% of the time, they should be spending on the portfolio management, the governance processes, all of that kind of stuff. Aligning with strategy, ensuring that you achieve the results, like important stuff like that. (laughs) Exactly. And that's stuff that the project managers can't do on their own, right? The PMO has to do these things. So we're going to focus on that for the rest of this session. If you want more eggs, right? There are only three ways to get more eggs. You can have bigger, better eggs, right? So you get more egg per egg. You get more value per egg. You can have more eggs, right? You can deliver more eggs and you can break fewer eggs, right? So that Mm -hmm. translates into sort of portfolio management. That's about bigger eggs is about project prioritization, Mm -hmm. right? More eggs is about increasing the flow of projects. And then breaking fewer eggs is about less failure, fewer cost overruns, less total. I think if you look at the PMI data, the statistic, another one that's been pretty flat for the last decade or so is projects failed, budget lost. That's total train wreck time. And that's been about 30% for the last decade or something. Yeah, well, it's, it's, I don't know, depending on what you, well, on time on scope on budget might be 30% as far as that's how much we're actually seeing, but 40 to 60% of projects are actually failing to meet the business goals, which is more what the executives are actually looking at because they care about more than just on time, on scope, on budget. They care about actually did this thing we created go on to achieve the business benefit that we wanted, right? 100%. 100%. And the first part of that is figuring out what is the business benefit that we want. And then right. picking projects to maximize it, right? To maximize that right. return on investment. There's a name for that. It's project prioritization. That's what we call that process. Right. And in principle, right, project prioritization is really simple, right? A five-year-old can do it. If you offer a five-year-old a plate of cookies and there are 10 small cookies and two big cookies on the plate and you say to them, you're allowed two cookies, which ones do you want? 
They're going to take the big cookies, right? right? They're not stupid. Hello. Hello. So that's all we've got to do. We've just got to pick the big cookies, figure out which are the big eggs that we want and stop picking rotten eggs. So by that, I mean, so the PMI did some research a couple of years ago with the Economist Intelligence Unit. And what they saw was that in a typical portfolio, 20% of projects are so badly aligned with the strategic goals of the organization that they should be stopped. Just think about that for a second, right? 20%, if you had 20% more resource, if you could identify those projects, stop doing them and reallocate that resource, you could deliver a whole heap more eggs. Good eggs, not rotten eggs, good eggs. Right, right. So that's sort of obvious, right? This is not a simple problem to solve, the prioritization problem. So what people would normally do is they'll hit Google, they'll have a hunt around and they'll find all kinds of articles and videos and advice on how to do it. Most of that advice is well-intentioned, but mm-hmm. most of it is also actually wrong. So when I say that, there is actually a whole branch of decision science under operations research that looks at this problem, right. right? So there's a whole bunch of guys with pocket protectors and little black glasses who do the science on this and have figured out, and they've experimented with all kinds of things and figured out that there are a couple of methodologies that really do work right, that are suitable for prioritization. And the one that I think is the best, basically because it's easy and it works, mm-hmm. is something mm-hmm. called AHP, the analytic hierarchy process. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about what it is. You can go off and Google it, go to our website, transparentchoice.com. There's loads of information there. So I'm not going to describe it in detail. But fundamentally, what it does is it focuses on getting your executives aligned on what they're trying to achieve in the first place. Because if you don't do that, you can't prioritize anything. And then it lets you score your projects and figure out which ones are the biggest eggs. That's it, right? So you end up with all your ducks in a row about which projects are the important ones. Normally about this time, someone will jump up and say, well, can't we do that in a spreadsheet? And the answer is no. The spreadsheet is what's giving us the 20%, right? Mm -hmm. So the spreadsheet doesn't really work. And picking the wrong projects is absolutely damaging your ability to deliver a return on investment. Well, and I've actually seen this myself with our clients because we have several clients that use AHP and specifically Transparent Choice to help them with that prioritization. And they're coming out with much stronger, much more strategically aligned portfolios than they had before they started using Transparent Choice because it's giving them an unbiased, properly organized and measured and evaluated process to go through so that when they get the board together or they get the sweet suite together and they're starting to look at this, it's not just who is the squeakiest wheel yelling the loudest. It's actually based on what makes the most sense. And it's really cool how you do all the setting up of the criteria and using that to then make the decisions and to score everything. I think it's great. I don't think it's even possible to do that in a spreadsheet, the way that you guys set that up. But it's a real difference maker and game changer for our clients. So we've seen it in action from one year of having the board be involved in prioritization to the next year. And then from there, they say, hey, this is working so well. We need to do this for all, not just our strategic initiatives, but for everything that we're doing. And it just kind of is the ripple effect is pretty cool. So I've seen it in action and it's a game changer, I think, for executives because what's really cool is that they now see, oh, this is exactly what we should be doing and what's going to give us our biggest bang for the buck. Absolutely. And that's what it's about. It's about maximizing that return on investment. And so that's giving you bigger eggs. So you're getting more value per egg. 
But let's talk about the other two techniques quickly as well. So the other one is about, first of all, right-sizing the portfolio. So if you think about your team, right? When I talk to people for the first time, one of the questions I ask is, why are we talking? And almost always, 90% of the time, I would guess, the answer is, or part of the answer is, we've got too many projects, right? Mm. Sometimes people say we don't have enough resources, but of course, that's the same thing as having too many projects. Right. And when I ask, what's the effect of that? The answer is that people run around, they're bumping into each other, projects start failing, they start tripping over, projects start slowing down, not speeding up. And actually, there's research that sort of looks at this, and it basically says that if you're overloading your resources, once you get to about 80, 85% utilization of your resources, and this is available time, not the total time, take out all the training time and all that stuff. Right. Right. So the available time, once you're above about 85%, the productivity of your teams, of your project delivery teams, drops off really, really quickly. Interesting. And most organizations, the executives, their instinct is to say, I want more value. I want more projects. You're only utilized Mm -hmm. at 90%. Why don't we utilize them at 100%? Mm. Well, if that was a road, we've got a road that's utilized at 100%. It's called a traffic jam. Yep. Our friend Mike Hannon talks about that all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Every inch of the road is covered with vehicles, but nobody is going anywhere because there's no flow, right? No flow at all. And that's the point. So you can only get the flow right if you're prioritizing. Otherwise, you don't know what not to do. And so one of the things that I often say to people is everybody thinks project prioritization is about deciding what to do. It's actually Mm -hmm. about deciding what not to do. That's the hard bit. And so it's about being able to say no to projects so that you can row back from that 90, 95% utilization back to sort of 80, 85% where you are most productive. So if you can do that, you actually increase the flow rate just by balancing your ability to deliver and just not overcommitting. Yeah. And I love that analogy. When I first learned that from Mike, it was interesting because I had never considered that way. And I don't know if you all do this in the UK, but in the US, we actually have stoplights on on ramps for highways. And there during peak hours, they will only let one car through at a time. And the reason for that is to control the flow and to prevent too many cars from clogging up the highways and preventing the traffic from moving. So they actually meter how many cars can come onto the road so that flow is maintained. And I never, I mean, I got it, but I never really thought about it from the perspective of your projects, but it makes perfect sense. If everyone has no room to breathe, no flexibility to think, no opportunity to shift and organize and own their work so that they can be most productive and they're just constantly jumping from thing to thing to thing, they're going to be slowed down because they're just task switching instead of being productive. That makes perfect sense. Absolutely. And we're stealing all kinds of mic messages here, right? But it all makes sense, right? So you've got this idea of the traffic jam, avoid the traffic jam, right. that's number one. Right. And then you just touched on staggering, right? So don't start everything on January the 1st. Imagine the Boston Marathon, right? They start everyone and you've got 10,000 runners. Right. All running. Now, right. Imagine one of those guys, those people running, and mm-hmm. one of them's not paying attention. They're thinking about hydrate properly before we started, and they're kind of looking around thinking, where can I pick up some water early in the race? And they kind of stumble, right? They trip up and they stumble, right? They bump into the runner next to them, and, and they trip up. And then two people trip over them, and three people fall over them. Before you know it, you've got 20 people lying on the floor wondering what happened. 
That's exactly what happens in your portfolio, right? You go through the planning process, you pick projects, January the 1st, everything starts and everything just gets jammed and projects are tripping over each other. So the answer is to stagger, like you said, like the car on the on-ramp. Right. So if you can stagger them, then you can, again, you can de-bottleneck it, optimize it around the hottest constraints and off you go. And PPM tools actually have moved the game on on that quite a lot from pre-PPM. Because most of them now, the good ones will have, you know, kind of like this super Gantt chart, portfolio level Gantt mm-hmm. chart that lets you mm-hmm. play with the staggering and see what effect it has on resources. Which is cool. Which is cool. But you end up playing whack-a-mole, right? Which is the right. problem. You, know, you got a peak in January. So you move something from January and you fix January. And now you've got a peak in May. So you move yep. it from May and then you've got a peak in April or whatever it is, right? So you're playing whack-a-mole. So one of the things that's really cool is that companies like Transparent Choice, but there are others, playing with how to use AI to solve this problem. So we've got a demonstrator out there to some customers now where the AI will actually hunt for that schedule for you in a minute or two that will deliver the best flow. Oh, how cool is that? That's so <laughs> a cool. nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So this is one place where earlier on you were talking about, yeah, you know, everybody focuses on the, the tools and the technology, right? So right. first of all, get the principle in place and figure out what you want to do. So we want to stagger. How are we right. going to do that? What are the rules we're going to use? Then you can think about technologies and the technology is, is moving forward tremendously at the moment with the advent right. of AI and everything. That's so cool. And you mentioned Mike, right? He's seen some incredible results with this kind of approach, doubling, trebling project flow. The third thing here, you know, we said bigger eggs, more eggs. So we've covered those, mm-hmm. fewer broken eggs. So the big question is, why do projects fail? You had a really interesting take on this at the House of PMO last year, Laura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want me to share a little yeah, bit about that? I'd love you to. Yeah. Sure. So part of the issue, I think it goes back to the executive saying, hey, just go fix project management. That's what's broken. And the mistake PMO leaders make is they actually then go try to fix project management because that's what the boss told them to do. The problem is, is the boss actually doesn't know what's really going on. What they're experiencing is symptoms instead of underlying root causes. And because of that, the whack-a-mole, going back to your whack-a-mole example, that's exactly what happens. The PMO leader keeps trying to fix one symptom, then another symptom, then another symptom. And what happens is that because they're only putting bandages on symptoms, the underlying root cause never goes away, which means they're constantly in that state of bouncing back and forth, trying to fix one thing and then another thing and another thing. What instead they need to do is figure out what the actual root cause of the problem is and fix that. And what happens is when you actually fix the root cause, you address so many symptoms. So there's this big ripple effect. Let me give you an example. The typical complaint that PMO leaders hear when they start in a new role or they talk to the executives and actually ask them what they want, right? The executives usually say projects are taking too long. They're costing too much. I don't know what's going on in the organization, right? Why can't we get this stuff done? And so then what happens is that the place the executives look is they point to the execution stage of the project life cycle and they say, well, it must be the project managers. The project managers are failing. They're doing it wrong. So then when you talk to the project managers, if you're smart, you ask why, right? You can use the five whys technique. The PMO leaders shouldn't just say, well, what most PMO leaders do and why they struggle and why the typical guidance fails them is that they'll say, okay, well, project managers are failing. So let me train them better. Let me get better project managers. Let me give them more process. Let me shove a bunch of stuff at them. Let me have them go crazy on process instead of actually looking at 
why are the project managers struggling? Well, when you talk to the project managers, they'll tell you it's because the project team members are always behind. And so then if you talk to the project team members and ask why they're always behind, you're going to find out that new work keeps getting added to their plate. And so because new work keeps getting added to their plate, we actually realize, okay, so it's not that. It's actually, I don't know, maybe it's a resource management problem. And here's where most people stop is they say, I have a problem with managing resources and we must have a resource management problem. And so you see all these people whose biggest complaint is PMO leaders saying, I have a resource management problem, but they haven't asked enough why questions. And this gets back to Stuart, what you focus on and why I share you so much with our Impact Accelerator Mastermind students and at the summit, et cetera, is that what you still have is another layer of symptoms. You don't have a resource management problem because what you really have going on, and this is what I tell PMO leaders all the time, you don't have a resource management problem. You have a shoving, and we're in the US, so we say pounds. You have a shoving 10 pounds of projects in a five pound bag problem. That's what's really going on. What you have is you're trying to do too many projects then you actually have the people to do those projects, right? I mean, every time you talk to a project team member, they're like, I have too much going on. They're adding more to my plate. I don't know why. Or if you ask the executives what the priorities are so you don't have too many projects going on, what do they say? What do they say every time when you say, what's the priority? Everything. Right, obviously, everything. Everything's important, right? <laughs> so, right. So what you have is actually the root cause is that you have executives failing to prioritize and asking people to do everything at once. What you really have is not a resource management problem, it's a project prioritization problem. And if you put good prioritization, portfolio governance, and good structure in place there before the projects have ever even started, you are going to be setting those projects up for success. So instead of playing whack-a-mole on symptoms, you fix that one thing, and that's why I talk about you probably need to do prioritization first before you do anything else, then you're going to be far more successful. Project people will be set up for success and you won't have added any templates or steps to their process. You've actually just positioned them to be successful. You do that and everything changes, right? Absolutely. And so we've looked at these three things. So, so if you do that, you're going to reduce the right. number of broken eggs, right? In our little right. metaphor here. Right. right? If, if you do that, you're addressing at source the cause, actually multiple causes of project failure by fixing this one thing. All at once. All at once. So what does it look like if you have more eggs, right? More eggs, bigger eggs, and fewer broken eggs? Well, actually, we again, I come back to the PMI. They did a study a few years ago where they looked at the top 10% top performers. Mm-hmm. And so they deliver a little over 90% of projects deliver the business value. And it's about mm-hmm. 90% on time and on budget as well, right? Right. Now, if you compare that with, say, 65%, which is probably the average over the last decade from the rest of the, from the rest, right, from everybody else, mm-hmm. right, that's mm-hmm. about a third more value that you're delivering. Right. right. Okay? And the difference that the PMI saw, the thing that was different from everyone else that these guys did that the other people didn't do was this portfolio management layer, this portfolio mm. layer of governance. That was the big difference. So everybody does project management. Everybody has PPM tools these days. Right. And that flat line for the last decade tells us that those things are important because before we had those, those success rates were 30, they weren't 60%, they were 30%. Right. right? Right. They've taken us some way, but they've plateaued. 
And to get to the next level, you've got to do this portfolio level stuff. It's really simple. It's focusing on reducing that failure by not overloading people, increasing mm-hmm. velocity by, again, not overloading people and staggering, and then just focusing on the projects that add the most value. And if you do that, right. then you can double, treble the value, the return on investment on the projects for the business. And that is what your executives want. Well, there you have it. Let's just drop the mic. Haha, <laughs> my kind of reference there. <laughs> Let's just drop the mic on that and be done with it. We're done. That's what executives want. And you know what? Here's the thing, Stuart, you're spot on. This is exactly what we have been teaching our mastermind students. This is what we help our clients with. I mean, you know, we've sent some clients your way because they needed transparent choice to help them with prioritization. If you address these things, then the whole system flows better. That's the start of creating an impact engine in your organization. It starts with setting projects up for success before they ever start, ensuring that you are streamlined and optimizing in the execution stage, and that you actually are positioned to achieve the highest possible return on investment for those projects when they deliver. Actually, you just triggered something there. So you said you sent some customers our way. The interesting thing is we've also sent customers to you. We've actually turned customers away and said, you cannot (laughs) buy our software until you talk to Laura. Right. And the reason that we do that is that software alone is never right. the answer. Right. right. Software right. is just scaffolding. Tools are just mm-hmm. scaffolding. Mm-hmm. But first of all, you've got to know what kind of building you're building. Right. Right. And so it really is, if you're new to Laura, I know there's a whole bunch of you kind of Laura fan bods out there, right, which is fantastic. Uh, we probably don't have time for me to tell stories about that, right? But <laughs> All the selfies at the conferences and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Stuart <laughs> on the shelf at the back and Johnny No Mates, you know. It was, oh, it would was... you stop it? <laughs> I just, I love this community. We both do. <laughs> Absolutely. If you are new to Laura's community, go and just consume as much of Laura's material as you can. If you can possibly find a way to do it, get onto the program. Because we've seen some of our customers where it's absolutely transformed their performance Mm. and their relationship with the business, right? Where they've gone from being, for example, the IT guys are the business killers. They do whatever they want. We don't know what they're doing to being the PMO working with the business for the business, right? Yes. The heroes of the story. That's what it's all about. Total change. And which brings us back to the summit that we're doing later in the year. Yeah. Tell me what you're most excited about for the summit. So as I mentioned at the beginning, Stuart is a co-host for this year's Impact Summit. We have a small group of co-hosts because I really wanted to elevate some voices and expand the message even further. It's not about me. It's about you, all of you impact drivers listening and raising your message, your voices up. So we're doing a little bit different this year where there's going to be several co-hosts that are supporting this event with me. So Stuart, what are you most excited about? I'm really excited because we put a lot of thought at the beginning into what the theme is going to be. It's really strong vibe around kind of what we've been talking about. How do you deliver that massive boost in ROI to Mm -hmm. the business? So it's going to be great. We've got some great speakers lined up. I'm looking forward to doing a bunch of these sessions and just Sometimes people hear us on podcasts and things and they think, oh, they know everything. We don't know everything. We're always we learning. We don't. We're there to learn too, right? Absolutely. Exactly. So I'm really looking forward to just sitting, learning, asking some dumb questions and probably <laughs> fooling around a bit because that's what I do. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. We've got some great speakers lined up. The content is incredible. Some faces you'll recognize from the past and some really cool new faces with new ideas and really exciting ways to help you continue to elevate your PMO, your strategy delivery team, your business transformation team. We've got content there for all of you because here's the secret. You're all trying to do the same thing. Help your organization deliver the highest possible return on investment for strategy. That's why all of you are there. That is the purpose of the impact driver and the organization you're creating. So if you have not registered yet, what are you waiting for? It is absolutely free. Just go to impactsummit.global, register for free today, and let's get this party started. Stuart, thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to share the podcast with you and get into some conversation about what really matters. I think it's important that we tell PMO leaders, strategy delivery leaders, what they really can do to cut through all the noise and stop trying to Google their way to a PMO and really just make a bigger impact faster. Thank you so much for being here. Brilliant. Thank you for having me. And I'll see you very soon. All right. Well, yeah, that's it for this episode, Impact Drivers. I cannot wait to see you all at the Impact Summit. Make sure you go check out Stuart and all his goodies and freebies at transparentchoice.com. And you can learn more about AHP and how you can work with Stuart and his team to get your portfolio prioritized right the first time. All right. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye for now.